Welcome back to the Quiet On Set podcast. I am your host, Ewan Graf. And today, back on the show is Lachlan Teeley. How are you doing, my friend? Hello. I'm good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, last week, I guess you didn't join the show because I guess I, I wasn't invited. Dude, yeah, well, I can't really invite you to a Sundance podcast if you haven't seen any of the Sundance movies. I've, I've, you know, gone to parties that I weren't invited to, so I don't sure don't see why I couldn't have gotten an invite from that next time for the Sundance thing, whatever, dude, whatever. It's next in the year, past. Yeah, next year I got you. Okay, next year you yeah. do get an invite. I don't know if uh, Austin and Cole and Justin will be back, but uh, for sure you'll get an invite and you'll get to see a few movies as well. Even if you don't see any movies, you'll still get a pity invite. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I'll just you know just talk about random shit. <laughs> yes, you just talk about the little things. Yeah. Just, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but that. I guess we are talking about a Sundance premiere right now with Judas and the Black Messiah later in this episode. But before we do that, we just want to remind you that you could take 10 seconds out of your day and maybe go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out a lot and gets the show out and about into the world, you know? I guess for an overview of the show, we are doing um, news and a bunch of traders that premiered at uh, Super Bowl this year. And we talk about what we've been watching. I've been watching quite a bit, actually, in the last two weeks in Sundance. And or I guess it was just a week. I don't know what time is anymore. And then we'll get, of course, into the full-on spoiler review of Judas and the Black Messiah. If you have not seen it yet, it's streaming on HBO Max at the moment. So go check it out. We'll do a spoiler review, but we'll have a short and non-spoiler segment at the start of the review. So let's jump into the news. Lachlan, have you heard about uh, Gina Carano? I did. That crazy. Right? I guess her making an analogy analogy to uh, being uh, being slandered and I don't know. No wait, let me start that off. <laughs> do you even know what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lachlan, can you tell us? What <laughs> you, were, do, do you were like, you, you were like, you were like, yeah, man, crazy. What? What, man? Crazy. That's what happened. Googles what the fuck happened to Gina. <laughs> Dude, I just saw Gina Carano trending. I don't even know what happened. I got no yeah. idea. But yeah, she got uh, fired over some tweets that she made um, from Disney and from The Mandalorian. They were also developing uh, a spinoff show. And I got all cancelled because, well, she made an analogy between uh, Republicans and Jews uh, in World War II with the Nazis being... I guess the public or the Democratic Party or something. I, I don't know. But it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I think it says more about the political state of the US than it does about her. Because I think like uh, a lot of Republicans feel similarly to the way that she's feeling. I guess not publicly expressing it and not being a public figure. But yeah, she got fired. <laughs> she did. <laughs> she did get fired. Uh, uh, but shortly after, <laughs> Lachlan, do you know Ben Shapiro? I, oh, I know Ben Shapiro. What about him? Well, he has this production company called The Daily Wire that I think a few weeks ago I talked about uh, Run, Hide, Fight, if you remember mm -hmm. that uh, pro-guns uh, school shooter movie that was uh, part of, uh, yeah, that was, that, that was his, his, his making. And apparently they're teaming up to do a movie now uh, about the firing. I don't, I don't know what's planned, but just, like they announced that one or two days after she got fired. So... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening. Like uh, this next to the GameStop movie that they're making about the stocks, uh, even though like the situation hasn't even ended yet. And like they already cast uh, to all the boys guy and Noah Centineo. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. The world is crazy. News is moving real fast. Yeah, that yeah, weird. That's just, yeah, it's a whole it's a whole thing. It is a whole thing. But Lachlan, do you know what's moving even faster than the news? Uh... Well, it's Sonic, Lachlan. It is Sonic uh, when he's not ride sharing with James Marston um, in his new movie that's set to come out in April next year in 2022. Um, so Lachlan, I was wondering... What do you want to see in um, a Sonic sequel? Um, Sonic? Sonic, yeah. Um, rings? Mm. I'd like to see Jim Carrey back. Yeah, of course. I wouldn't mind that. Uh, I'd like the original redesign back as well. <laughs> like the original, sorry, the original yep. design, not the original redesign, but like the original design. Well, Lachlan, what about this? Hear me out. What about no Jim Carrey, no Dr. Eggman, but original design versus newer design? And it's a whole like shadow link kind of situation. 
Oh, I was going to say Sonic into the multiverse, but like, yeah, I'm down. Dude, yeah. What about that? Just a cameo in the new Spider-Man film. Yeah, and it's like, it's just, it's just um Sonic going through every single Sega game, like, that exists. <laughs> So a kind of a wreck it rough situation, but just the one video game crossing over. Yeah, 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 literally. And then pretty much the same thing. Yeah, and then like you know, just Sonic going around, and then like I don't know, Nintendo could possibly be like friends because they did those Mario and Sonic games together, and you know, like I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't know, what, I don't know what I'm gonna see. Obviously, the Sonic games mean nothing to the Sonic movie. It's like completely separate to like the whole thing. But I don't, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm I don't know. I, 2021 Oscars should be uh, Sonic's best picture. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think they do have a couple of characters uh, confirmed, like Tails and Knuckles. And apparently Jason Momoa is already cast, or I guess in, at least in rumors, to be playing Knuckles. I guess the games have more straight into having more of a, like a story and an entire voice cast, uh, go, going more into the lore than the actual gaming aspect, but... I have to be honest, I, I haven't finished uh, a Sonic game in my life, so I could not oh, relate okay. to and really don't know what's going on in, in the game. Well, uh, thanks for joining us on the Quiet On Set podcast. It's been a great episode. I'm going to bounce. See ya. Well, I, I, I got Sonic Mania, okay? I, I started the game. I have like five minutes oh. in Sonic Mania. Can you stay for like another three minutes at least? How much does that get me? can you stay for three minutes while i talk to you about how much i played sonic mania for like i don't know three minutes just because it was like the latest sonic game doesn't mean (laughs) you get Uh, well anyways we also got a couple of trailers we got a new justice league trailer it feels like oh baby whenever there's a new week there's a new justice league trailer and there's also either no colors new colors or a new aspect ratio you really never see it coming (laughs) <laughs> literally it is oh man this this trailer like oh don't get me started did you like it or, or not i can't really tell i loved it man what did you love I'm about all, it i'm i'm all for the whole fucking thing <laughs> like when i loaded the video and it was still in like 16 by 9 but letterbox i went oh how dare you tease me like that you fucking got me you like like oh and then i think uh i'm pretty sure i heard lex luke luther's voice at the start i might be wrong but either way mm-hmm. i was like oh and then you know Throughout, you know, the, the music was sick, and then I get to see all the action, and then like I see Superman tease and possibly in a black suit, and I went, oh, yeah. And then right at the end, we see Jared Leto's Joker, and you go, no. And then he says, we live in a society, and I lost my shit. And I was like, fuck yeah. We live in a society, bitch. We do live in a society, man. I love that Jared Leto also tweeted out, I think a few days ago, we live in a society. Oh, what, a little, what a little cuck tease. He knows. <laughs> yeah, no, man. I was, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it. I mean, I don't give a shit that it's four hours long. Like, I, I'm going to find four hours of my life and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to strap myself in for the best cinematic experience of my life. <laughs> Apparently, there's an intermission a la Barry Lyndon in there as well. Well, not <laughs> like Barry Lyndon, but there's an intermission. <laughs> I just want to see like a screen. Well, well not that the. A, a black screen or anything but just like the characters being stuck like the idol thing um in a video game that would be really funny you know i hope it is i really hope it's like like five minutes of jared leto's joker just doing stand-up as an intermission and that and, and it's not even and, you know, it's not even stand-up it's literally just like jared leto's like audition tape and he he, he thought he was going for a different role they're like hey man we, we're after this comedian kind of character he's like oh yeah sick and they're like hey it's the joker he was like you tricked me it's him just reading 4chan um, comments for like 15 <laughs> or, minutes, or him just critiquing his act, his like his like role in Suicide Squad, <laughs> which oh, which is man. literally like the the time he was in like his time ones were in Suicide Squad would be the time of an intermission anyway. So yeah, I did not send her a dead rat. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a cinnamon bun. <laughs> oh okay well yeah i guess justice league the snyder cut finally releases on march 18th on hbo max exclusively and uh we'll be covering the movie i guess the the re-release the director's cut whatever you call it um Uh, yeah when it comes out final export underscore one final export cut of justice league (laughs) Yeah, and I think we'll probably be doing uh, um, a full-on commentary for that movie on... You can find it on our Patreon. Uh, that would be an interesting four-hour-long recording, but I think it would be real fun for this film. 
uh, at least. But I, I decided I'm not revisiting Justice League. I'm, dude, I just, I don't want to. <laughs> and I don't think you need to because it's uh, a, a lot of stuff is different. It's and... null and void. What if they just, yeah, they yeah, just try to hide exactly. this. Like, they'll, they'll try to hide the original cut forever. <laughs> but they can't hold it from me. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a lot of people who are real big fans of Joss Whedon. Not after what he's recently done, but I... <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, we got a couple new trailers uh, premiering at the Super Bowl last week as well. So the new M. Night Shyamalan film, Old, <laughs> uh, got a full-on trailer and it's coming out pretty soon. Lachlan, um, did you have a chance to watch that one yet? I did get to watch the trailer. And by the end of that, like, one-minute teaser, I pretty much was like, oh, shit, I'm one minute older. Can't <laughs> wait to... I wanted to watch this movie and have, like, my two hours never given back to me, just like the previous two M. Night Shyamalan films. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the feeling you get from watching M. Night Shyamalan. I actually am also, like, not even a fan of, uh, what's his most beloved one with? The Sixth Sense? Not The Sixth Sense. Uh, Is that even? The Sixth Sense is not. You're talking about I See Dead People? I See Dead People, yeah. Is that The Sixth Sense? Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I don't even sense. like that one. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I'm really not big on M. Night. And uh, this looks to be no different. It looks to be super cheesy and just, like throwing some big ideas around without, with a nonsensical plot and idiotic characters. That's just what you can expect by now from M. Night. I mean, you do you, man. It's like... It's so deep, man. I mean, I mean, he can make movies. Like, we know he can. Like, yeah. he, he's made some... I mean, I like Signs. Yeah. I, 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 I did Sion. like... I did like Split a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah. Um. I did like The Village. I'm just trying to think. Um. Obviously, I, I I actually didn't. I agree with you. I didn't like The Sixth Sense. However, I watched The Sixth Sense immediately after watching Die Hard and watching Bruce Willis go from Bruce Willis to Bruce Flaccid Willis. <laughs> it's hard to get into. Actually, I Split quite a bit as well. It's probably my favorite, and I'm just a big uh, Anya Taylor Joy fan so that might be yeah. ju- the reason i enjoy it so much she she's Probably great in it is. um yeah. but yeah we also got traders for coming to america uh, a new one there and Araya and the last dragon but we already got traders for those and we got a fast nine trade i think it's also not the first one but kind of premiering and also premiering fairly soon and i think like some something about a month or so from now falcon and the winter soldier mm. yeah Lachlan, what did you think of that one uh, it seemed, I mean, it, it looks cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I mean, it looks really fun. It looks more actiony than what, uh, WandaVision's going to be. WandaVision's mm-hmm. currently just been a very dr- drama filled series, I guess. There's really been yeah. no comedy. action per se, um, mm-hmm. or a comedy, True. yeah, in a good sense. But I mean, that's, I mean, part of the whole charm of it, really. There's no action at it. And spoilers oh, yeah. for WandaVision. Hang on. I'll give you, I'll give you a second. I think that's what Wanda wants. She doesn't want any kind of like violence or anything. So why should we? Why should we? Why would we see that? So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, welcome back for for non spoilers. Falcon and the Winter Soldier definitely is going to be that, like action packed side of things. And then obviously, I think when Loki comes out, it might be a mixture of both. Yeah, I do think so as well. And I guess those uh, this show Falcon and the Winter Soldier will be longer as well, and I think a bit more consistent because Wanda Vision Vision was between uh, like twenty five to thirty five minutes mostly, right? And then mm. <laughs> always there's almost ten minutes of of uh, of credits. <laughs> so funny mm. to me how soon these episodes end. Um, one thing I will say is that I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier production was kind of rough. They had kind of like some story issues. I'm pretty sure, like where they didn't know where they wanted to go. Oh, I didn't know about that. I I don't know. I just know that uh, apparently, I guess one division will tie in with some other MCU films. I have no idea about this one how this one ties into the larger story overall. Yeah. Obviously everything so far is pretty much, I think is taking place post Endgame. So mm-hmm. it's exciting to see where like, this is a way of setting up uh, things. Speaking of, are you caught up to date with WandaVision? I am. I am. Yeah. Um, have you heard of the rumors about who they're meeting over the ridge in the next episode? Uh, I don't think so. I think there's also like spoilers out, spoiling the whole rest of the plot. Uh, rest of the I, hope, season. I, hope, I hope not. Well, I'll keep away from that then. Um, there's a, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a rumor that it's possibly oh, going to be Reed, Reed, Reed Richards. Richards. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've heard that. Yeah. Dude, I am so like, if that happens, uh, cool, yeah. fucking sign me up, buddy. I am so <laughs> fucking down. And if it, and if they get John Krasinski to do it, oh baby, Ooh, I yeah. will be, oh, I'm all in, I'm all in oh, for that. Bro, yeah. I'm totally down. Uh, if that, like literally if that happens, 
I'm I'm going to call an immediate quiet on said podcast <laughs> gathering, and we're all going to discuss it. And we're all going to sit down. I don't care if the episode is two minutes long. That's what we're going to fucking do. <laughs> anyway. And we got one last trailer from a movie called Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk as, I guess, kind of a suburban John Wick kind of character. <laughs> uh, it's it's an action movie, and uh, that kind of snuck up on me. I, I didn't I had that one on my radar for a while, but it looks like a good action flick and um, definitely John Wick inspired, I'd say. Uh, Lachlan, did you catch that one? Yeah, I saw the trailer uh, actually two months ago, the original trailer mm-hmm. um, that first came out. And yeah, like the, the uh, what are they called? Thumbnail for the video looked mm-hmm. exactly like John Wick, but instead of guns, it had like fists, which is why I clicked on it straight away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as you said, it looks like John Wick, um, but it's not Keanu Reeves. It's not. No. Maybe. What's his he, name? Bob. Uh, Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down. Mr. Nice Guy as uh, John Wick. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. So, sounds like a good idea. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Good crossover. I just want Bob Odenkirk, Shelley Theron, Keanu Reeves, head to head. Yeah. In like a. Dude, you could get that in probably the Fast and Furious six. Atomic, like Atomic Wick, nobody, or like a nobody John Bomb, nobody John Bomb. Nobody bomb John. Yeah. Nobody bomb John. Nobody bomb John. There you go. <laughs> I've come up with a title. Nobody bomb John. Nice. But it was I mean, Atomic Blonde. Sorry. It's Atomic Blonde. Wait, it's Atomic Blonde. No, I fucked it. It's Atomic <sighs> Blonde. But everyone will just uh, Atomic Blonde bomb. Atomic Blonde. Ah, fuck. <laughs> blonde I John it. buddy. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> blonde John. Nobody blonde John. <laughs> anyways uh whatever you just said i care a lot and that's a movie that's releasing this week on netflix is it actually i should i should should, yeah uh i should stop doing these segues but um at least on the american netflix uh i didn't see it pop up for a screener on uh my swiss media page on netflix only on the american one so it might be a licensing thing where it's only showing in the u.s but just use your trusted VPN and get over to the US Netflix and you can watch it. Sick. You can also watch next week's movie that we're covering on the Quiet On Set podcast. That is, of course, Chloe Zhao's Nomadland on its way to, I probably say, pretty good shot at getting Best Picture and a bunch of other nominations at least. So uh, definitely one of the best films that I managed to catch uh, last year um, at, at, a, at a film festival. But now it's coming out in a wide release on Hulu, so at least to the Americans, it is now available. And again, maybe with with VPN, you can start up to Hulu and you can watch it there as well. Uh, yeah, we're talking about it next week. And then also, uh, last but not least, I I I struggle to pronounce that word, but it's the Mauritanian. Am I saying that right, Lachlan? The Mauritanian, yeah, I right? I don't, I don't know. Can you use it in a sentence, please? <laughs> the Mauritanian comes out. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, supposedly that's coming out in cinemas. I haven't seen anything. Apparently, it's also been out for a week already. I, I have no idea where this movie is. I don't know if only critics have seen it. I I, I haven't. And um, apparently, it's coming out this week. Maybe you'll find it. Maybe you don't. <laughs> but luckily, let's move on to what we've been watching. So what have you been watching, buddy? Now, why don't you start, man? Because you seem to got a bloody fucking <sighs> long-ass list. Uh, well, okay. Well, I guess I've been busy again. Uh, after Sundance, I took a few days just uh, watching a bunch, like, I don't know, a bunch of series, just chilling. Um, and then I went straight back into watching movies, the movies that I was kind of behind from Sundance. And, and I watched 16 movies again. Uh, but instead of going over them one by one, I guess I am going over them one by one, but I'll just let you know uh, what you should watch and what you should definitely avoid. And let's start things off with the two times Golden Globes nominated movie Music, <laughs> brought to you by Sia in her ableist directorial debut um, that displays Asperger's in music videos. Uh, through a teenage girl's fantasies or her, in, in her head. So if that doesn't sound at all problematic to you or like, I don't know, maybe just don't do that, then I guess maybe you would enjoy it. But the critical consensus has been fairly uh, united on this one that music's 
fucking sucks, man. The embargo has lifted, so I can already tell you it's it's not a good film. Don't watch it. Luckily, I. Are you gonna watch music? Nope. 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 It, it might be not. this year's Cats. Don't get me wrong. I really like Sia's music. Mm -hmm. Done fucked up there, girl. Yeah, definitely uh, quite a misstep. And um, it's not even that entertaining. It's just, I don't know how they got Leslie Odom Jr. in there. But it, it, it escaped a half star rating for that reason only. Just because I, I just love me some Leslie Odom Jr. So, you know, can't go too wrong with that. There's a few more that you should definitely avoid. The new Studio Ghibli film. And the first CG animated film from Goro Miyazaki, the son of an legendary filmmaker, Hayao Miyazaki, uh, made Earwig and the Witch, and it's quite a flop. Luckily, yeah. are you still gonna check that one out? Yeah, no, of course, definitely. I, I do love me some. Do you love me some Ghibli? Definitely, I'm gonna watch it. I'm not gonna take your review into into my head. I'm gonna watch it with a you know uh, open, open, open mm -hmm. mind, mm -hmm. open heart. Yeah, I mean, I hope some people will take something away from it. I think it's just missing a third act, uh, if I'm being honest. It just kind of stops oh, okay. a bit too early. And it's it's the shortest uh, studio fl film, I think, by like over 10 or 15 minutes. It's only like 70 minutes long. So it is quite short. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then I also watched Bliss. This is kind of a Matrix clone with Owen Wilson and Salma Hayek about like a world that isn't real and stuff like that but it's just it just doesn't work at all so avoid that one and then one that uh got quite a bit of critical acclaim and a lot of people seem to enjoy that time of it but i just didn't and that is uh bob and star go to vista del mar so this is with kristen vig and uh annie um momolo I think is a name and yeah for fans of SNL which I have never really watched maybe this is something that they'll enjoy it's like a really nonsensical comedy that's so committed to just um I guess getting a few laughs out of you and it's just I don't know it just didn't work for me like they have some random musical numbers and uh the 50 shades of gray actor Jamie Jamie Dorman I think is his name he's also in this and uh, yeah, they just break out into song and it's super silly. And I don't know, maybe I was just not in the mindset for it, but uh, I didn't like this one. So those are the films you definitely avoid. And then next up are a few, like, I guess, uh, movies that you could put into a certain genre. So we got rom-coms, we got uh, free movies here. We got To All The Boys, Always and Forever. The third and for now, it's the final of the series following the teenager, uh, Lara Jean, as she has to choose between college and her boyfriend. So it's definitely better than the second one. Um, I think it's like on par with the first one. But I think this is also like in a different league compared to the Kissing Booth films that are just utter nonsense. I think this is a pretty solid rom-com, but it's not really my thing. But for people who enjoy rom-coms, I think this is definitely a good outing. Then, Lachlan, you, you've seen Palm Springs, right? course yes well meet its little brother the map of tiny perfect things uh a movie that basically just does the same thing that palm springs does i guess in a similar uh manner but does it with teenagers and it's all oh. about the love and not really about the uh, nihilistic uh existentialism and it's still a comedy but it tries to be like real cheesy and um yeah sick if you don't have hulu and and you, I think this is on VOD anyway, so uh, it doesn't really make sense now. I don't know where I was going with that, but um, yeah, I think this is the teenage version of Palm Springs, so uh, might be for a few of the younger viewers. And then finally, we got Little Fish. I guess this is more of a drama than a rom-com, but it has an interesting spin on like the search of pandemic movies that we've gotten recently because it, it tackles the pandemic as like not not like the COVID pandemic, but just a pandemic that kind of spreads alzheimer's so uh it's about like a relationship where and then one of them uh starts forgetting the other person but they're still really young and uh yeah it kind of treats alzheimer's almost like a flu or something like that so it's really interesting how that would affect uh like the wider circle of people surrounding them and then the relationship drama it's pretty well done i'd say and then we got horror films <laughs> like have you seen any of the wrong turn movies uh no i haven't so uh, I think they're known for being cannibal movies, right? That's kind of what they... Sick. I, I think I've seen like a few of them when I was in high school. This brings back the original writer and it's not in the continuity of the rest of the movies. Overall, it's just a completely different spin on what these cannibalist little society that lives off the grid uh, do. 
And um, I think it's actually pretty well done. I I had a really good time with it. I was pleasantly surprised. So, so it's surprised. good? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. How long I mean, is it? I don't know. I think it's like some something like 80 minutes, 80, 90 minutes. All right. Because I, uh, I saw the trailer for it a couple couple of days ago, actually. And mm-hmm. I was either like, oh, it's either going to be hit or miss. I don't really want to waste my time and go and see it if it's a complete flop. Yeah, I, I think it, it tries to do a couple of things more than these movies usually tend to do. It could be really something that people hate, but I I was just entertained for some reason. Like, it, it's a horror film that is is like the ninth outing or something like that in the series. It's not going to have, like, great performances. It's not going to be hereditary. But I think just for a slasher film, it, it was pretty entertaining. Um, and cool. Speaking of things not being good but entertaining, I watched Willy's Wonderland. So this is Nicolas Cage unleashed in, I'd say, probably a Five Night at Freddy's fan fiction where he's just kind of a like a non-talking uh, hero that uh, yeah gets to be the janitor of Willy's Wonderland and the animatronics come to life and kill people and then he starts killing the animatronics and that's the whole plot and it's so bizarre and it's so out there uh, definitely genre cinema and I mean I thought it was it was it was all right it was, wasn't great but. Uh, some of the characters like make really fucking dumb choice choices, and it's it's hard to uh, get on board. But if you want to see another slash, I'd say wrong turn over Willy's Wonderland. But there's like some pretty dedicated Nicolas Cage fans out there, so it might be for them. And then finally, I watched a uh, uh, long-awaited A24 psychological horror film, Saint Maud. Lachlan, have you been waiting for this one as well as much as Saint I have? Saint Maud. Yeah, Saint Maud. Uh, no, I haven't seen this yet. But yeah, this movie was long awaited, I guess. It's it's been set to come out a couple of times, but then got pushed due to COVID and finally it came out on VOD, I think last week or something like that. And uh, it was a bit of a disappointment because I don't know, maybe I expect really a lot from A24 at this point and it kind of dragged in certain moments uh, quite a bit and I wasn't completely on board with the plot which is, I guess, her being a, a carer for someone who has, for, for not really, mi- I guess, middle-aged woman who has cancer and um, she kind of pushes her uh, her really intense uh, religious beliefs onto that woman and, um, yeah, kind of goes into the insanity of it all. But uh, it kind of lost me halfway through. And then finally, I got a few more films that I'll shout out, but I won't review here on the show. You can just check out my reviews over on Letterboxd because these movies will get the full-on review treatment from me. And uh, that is Identifying Features, um, the Mexican film that uh, Mexico, I guess, didn't submit for this year's Oscar. And uh, The Little Things, right, Lachlan? You saw The Little Things as well. I have. Yes, and I can say I watched it too now. <laughs> I'll keep my thoughts to myself um, for now, but uh, let's just say I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I was just—it's a bit of a seven clone, right? Uh, mm, you don't think so? Mm, yeah, it's not as dark. No, I don't think so. I saw it more as like a crime drama more than anything. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but it doesn't without have any the- without any kind of like religious. Super religious. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I can see where you draw the alliance, though. I like. I can. I can see where you draw it, but my first thing wasn't so much seven. Yeah, I guess shooting. I'm shooting a bit high with comparing it to seven because you couldn't really get on that level, just quality wise, anyways. But and also the plot. I don't know. Maybe it's weird because Jared Leto got nominated for a bunch of um, performance um, awards. At, like not just the Globes, but different academies as well. And uh, yeah, weird thing. And also Palmer, um, Justin Timberlake is back to acting on this Apple TV Plus film and uh, the Dick and Netflix films with a uh, Netflix film with Ralph Fiennes, uh, him digging up a bunch of uh, things, archaeological stuff during World War Two at the start of World War Two. It's kind of a period drama and. I liked it a lot because there's Lily James and and I love Lily James. So uh, Lily James, Lily James, Lily James. That's my review for the dig. I dig it. And finally, I got breaking news in Juba County, which is a movie that spirals out of control so, 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 so fast. Uh, In the lead role, we have uh, 
I I'm blanking on her name, but she got an Oscar for her supporting role in I, Tonya. Maybe you know who I'm talking about, Lachlan? Nope. You don't. Ah, that is a miss. But um, yeah, it's her husband goes missing. It, she, she pretends to be a victim in the media, although she knows that he is dead and has not been kidnapped. So it's kind of the Gone Girl plot but actually <laughs> like a switch rolls but she actually knows what's going on i guess there's a lot of death that just happens randomly in this film and um it goes off the rails quite a bit but i i, I cannot i can't say it's not entertaining but that wraps it up for my long list of what i've been watching but Lachlan, what have you been watching i don't know i'm about to fall asleep you had such a long list dude that was a enormous boom, list roasted there. boom roasted boom roasted um, all right. I haven't watched a lot of stuff because I've been flying my drone and I've just been <laughs> trying new stuff. Anyway, uh, if I'm going to be honest, I watched Judas in the Back Messiah. This is probably the first one I've watched in a week. I've literally just been flying my drone and working, but I have been watching WandaVision and I watched the Justice League trailer like 50,000 times <laughs> and that's it. Other than that, I've just been playing chess and getting drunk and uh, flying my drone. Uh, not drunk, but you know, uh, that that's it. That's it. That's what I've been watching. Nice. Are you playing chess on chess.com? Yeah. Like, oh, what's your rating? Right now? Oh, yeah. It's trash. Well, I mean, you are playing drunk, so that makes sense. <laughs> uh, how do I find that? Um, I, I don't know. I played like one match and I aborted because I got bored because I'm a, I'm a zoomer with no attention span. Uh, 1,220. Wait, what? That is a, wait, that's, that's a, dude, that's not a bad rating, I think, right? <laughs> that's pretty good, man. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good, man. Uh, have you played chess before or is it just recently? Yeah, no, I've played chess before. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got, I got, I got no clue. I, I know how the pieces move, but I never really played it seriously. I played it when I was younger, but then there was this one guy who was really into math and he always went, wanted to play chess. But he just dunked on me every time we played because he was like in a chess club and I played, the only time I played was with him and he never taught me anything, like any openings or like, yeah. It, it, yeah, it what was, a fucking nerd. What a fucking nerd, man. I cannot relate watching 60 movies in a week. What a fucking nerd. <laughs> okay, well, that, I guess it's a bit shorter on your end for what I've been watching. I feel real bad now, as I should. But let's get into our review for Judas and the Black Messiah. <laughs> So this movie recently premiered on HBO Max and will be available to stream until March 12th, I think. Yes, and it will be playing further on in selected theaters, wherever theaters are open at, at the moment. I don't know, you got it out of lockdown, right, Lachlan? Yeah, we're out of lockdown. But we are still in it, so cinemas are still closed here. We're still waiting on them to open up, so uh, HBO Max is what I'm going with currently. And uh, the movie has been getting pretty good ratings over on Letterboxd. It actually already cracked uh, Letterboxd's 250 highest rated films. And it's sitting comfortably at a 4.2 rating. And that also with being out a couple of days available on HBO Max. Uh, interesting uh, how good the ratings are over there. Then on IMDb, uh, as expected, it's a bit lower. It's a 7.4 as it usually is because... Especially movies where the leads are black, you get a lot of troll raters who just give it one um, star. So I don't know how accurate that is. And on Metacritic, it has a 86 um, from critics and a 7.6 from users. So overall, pretty positive reception. And um, Lachlan, I guess, could you tell us what is Judas and the Black Messiah about? Uh, Bill is a dude who was a criminal and is now a informant for the FBI and he infiltrates the Black Panther party um to redeem himself uh but it goes down the shitter really quick after he's after do a lot of things that make him really uncomfortable and it also follows Fred Hampton mm -hmm. who was who becomes the chairman of the Black Panther clan um and kind of unites Black Panther clan Black Panther party and unites the uh the different part, different groups around America and different African American groups within little communi communities to, you know, uh, start a revolution. I want your revolution. I want a revelation. Oh, shit, I've got Hamilton stuck in my head. But yeah, he's. He, I think he's the chairman uh, in, in in Illinois in Chicago, 
Uh, he's not that high up, but he was just like someone who was rising pretty fast in the community. Uh, after he started, he quickly rose up to ranks. So that's why he also got that much attention from the FBI. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, an interesting figure in the Black Panther Party outside of his assassination, of course, as well. But yeah, Lachlan, I guess we'll talk non-spoilers for now, but we'll soon get into spoilers. We're also talking about a film that's uh, set around, like, historic events. So if you... <laughs> I don't want to spoil you on history, I guess. But no, um, this will be a spoiler review. But before we do that, we'll talk about the performances. I guess most notable in here is... Uh, Fred Hampton, um, Daniel Kaluja in his supporting role, Lachlan. I don't know about you, but I was blown away by his his oh, embodiment of Fred fucking Hampton. Fucking strong performance, yeah. By him, uh, really encap like captivated the whole character. Um, even though I've never really seen the character, they uh show a lot of uh, I guess real life footage, and from mm -hmm. those little shots that we see of him, it, it took a quick second to click back over. It's like, oh shit, that's not actually. Him, it's it's him playing that guy. But no, yeah, he he really does grab you in. Not only does his performance captivate you, but the overall story and what he's pushing for, uh, and the abuse of the African American community in America, mm. uh, that which is what is in the background of this, that grabs you as well. This man is trying to is basically again, as I said, starting a revolution to you know stop that horrific treatment of minorities and and he he's the one who's leading the way he's he's really re ready to take uh take on everyone even risk his own life yeah i guess to, uh, a few notes on fred hampton uh for him overall uh, as a person that um might be a li little bit anecdotal and um like additional info but i guess most of it gets covered on the film um he joined the black panther party in, in november at the end of uh 1968 so that was pretty pretty soon after the mlk got assassinated and then he quickly rose in uh the leadership's position um again becoming the chairman of the illinois part of the party and uh he, i guess what he did most the most notable things that he achieved was uh the free breakfast program and negotiating like peace between other rival gangs in in chicago stuff like that is is what I guess he really contributed for the black community and there, there's a bigger contribution than just stirring up uh, a revolution in a sense and causing, um, I guess, in, in quotation marks, causing trouble for the FBI or how they portrayed the, the Black Panthers at the time as like a terrorist group. I, I really enjoy that we do get to see those sides, like we do get to see that part of the Black Panther Party that's just not, not just pinned up against the police and the feds, but also just what they were doing, right? And just um, bringing other people up from the community and helping them out. Uh, what about Lakeith Stanfield? I, I've been a fan of his for a long time. I don't know how you landed on his portrayal of, of Bill O'Neill. Uh, no, it was great, honestly. Uh, everyone's performance in here pretty much caught me as a good performance. I mean, uh, yeah. Jesse Plums is the only guy who I've always been, you know, ever the fan of. But even even he still gives me a performance that I was like, hey, I'm, I'm okay with this. Mm -hmm. Um, even though we only see him a couple times, but yeah, all three of those characters, Daniel, Lakeith, and, and Jesse, each of them have their their moments. And Daniel has, you know, as Fred Hampton, has a lot of awesome monologues, really yeah. well written and also really well uh, performed. Uh, Bill, uh, Lakeith's character, he has more, I guess, uh, it's going to be the same for Jesse as well, uh, moral. Uh, choices like is he going to do this one thing is he going to do that should he give this information to the FBI should he leave it alone you know he he has a moral choice you know uh, even though you know he 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 doesn't seem to have a lot of uh, well-written dialogue like mm -hmm. Fred Hampton does because uh, obviously he's not a poet which it's not really a spoiler yeah. but it is brought up that he is very poetic with his speeches um, Lakeith's character, Bill, Bill has more choices to make. It's the same with Jesse. And at the start, I didn't think his character that mattered that much, but I think that scene where the FBI director talks about his daughter, and I, th you know, the mm -hmm. scene I'm talking about. Yeah. When, when, he, when he, that director says that one line and it changes. Mm -hmm. Oh, bro. Oh, that scene got me, man. I was like, I, 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 I kind of looked down for a second, and I looked back up, and I, I said, "Did you just say that?" And it's almost the exact same thing uh, Roy does in the film as well. Uh, that's yeah. uh, Jesse Plum's character, Roy. Um, I, 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 he, he has to take a second and go, 
did you say that? Now, anyone who hasn't seen the film, it's going to make no sense what I'm saying. Go watch yeah. the film. Um, Do, of course. And uh, I guess but... like, feel free to jump into spoilers if you want to. It's just kind of a quick intro for people who are just like curious uh, about like, oh, what's going to get Oscar nominated? Kalusha had has this in the bag. I don't think Stanfield oh, yeah, will sure. get a nomination. I don't think uh, Plemons will get a nomination no. as well as Fishback. Yeah. It's just Kalusha for this one. But yeah, uh, we'll talk a bit more about the awards potential later on. But uh, I guess let's get into the, the movie and the plot and all of its spoilers. So uh, yeah, that scene, I think, stands out as, as one of the strong moments. And I think uh, Stanfield, he does such a great job. at. He already did this in... Uh, get out already uh, when he was just playing like someone who was kind of um, I guess if, if you haven't if you haven't seen get out get out and watch get out but uh, he, he stuck in his, this body and someone else is controlling him and shit and uh, he just acts with his eyes with this helplessness and uh, at one of the speeches that uh, Fred Hampton gives and he, he is there and, and uh, Roy is also there right in, in the crowd he is undercover. Uh, he's yeah, he's undercover, and uh, I guess Bologna is also <laughs> undercover the whole time. But also, he's kind of crossing over a bit more, w- aligning himself with the Black Panthers. I think he placed that uh, real nicely. But we don't focus that much on his internal conflict. I'd say that he has within itself, like what uh, what his ideals are and whatever. But in that moment where he's just like when Fred Hampton goes, "I am a revolutionary," right? It's that scene and. He just shouts it out as well. You can see it with all his passion, but he's also playing on the other side. It's such a mm. conflicted character, and I think Lakeith is, is is the perfect guy to just have it say say it all. Uh, his emotions um, outside on his on his face, in his eyes, especially. And then I guess uh, lastly, we also got a, a love interest for Fred Hampton, um, someone who becomes more prominent overall in his legacy. I'd say. And as, of course, uh, Dominic Fishback as Deborah Johnson, his wife and also the mother of um, his, his child, who, who who is actually called Fred Hampton Jr. <laughs> so it's pretty easy to remember. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what do you think of her? Again, performance is great. At the start, I thought she was going to be a side character, just like telling him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Hey, your speech was great, but be careful what words you choose. And I was thinking, oh, she's going to show up in like two years time when he's given, when he's giving, because I don't, I didn't know the story because obviously this is based on a true story. I didn't know the story. He was going to be assassinated at the end of it. Is anyone who watches Titanic knows that Titanic is going to, is going to sink. Okay. Yeah. Same with this. Anyone who knows the true story behind it, everyone knows Fred Hampton is most likely going to die at the end of the film. Mm -hmm. I thought she was going to just be, you know, a simple, uh, hey, you are, you are great with speaking. But pick your words more carefully. And then, you know, I thought maybe at the end, I thought he might be assassinated after he sees her in the crowd and he picks his words more carefully. And then, plah. Um, but obviously, it's a lot more mm. hardcore than that. Yeah. No, I. she adds this really awesome dynamic, this almost like, uh, you know, they're all very violent people, but she didn't seem to be that violent. Even mm. though in that shootout scene, she was like, I'm ready to take my arms up and, uh, you know, I'm ready to fight. I didn't really see that in her character. I thought she was going to be more of a uh, humanitarian in peace, in a peaceful way. Yeah. She will uh-huh. she will say, we should use our words, not, you know, violence. Um, which, you know, she never picks up a gun or anything. But, yeah, she becomes more, more of a character in the last half of the film, especially after he gets out of prison and she's pregnant. But, dude, that shot of her at, in the raid and then the two guys going up to Fred, man. And just holds on her, and you can just see it in her eyes, and it's like, "Fuck, then she, you, God, been hard yeah. this acting from me all, all, all the entire, the entire way, and now you just pull it in the last like scene. What the fuck are you doing? Like, like again, her performance was great the entire way, but she mm-hmm. just grabbed me in that last part with those again with the eyes. Yeah, I think I haven't mentioned that yet, but definitely a shout out to Shaka King. Not his first film, but definitely his his first like big film. The direction in this is in, impeccable. Like, it, it's such a powerful choice to. Uh, stay on her and I guess who, uh, for people who don't know the background um, they stormed in and Bill O'Neill slipped something in Hampton's drink uh, to make him sleep um, to, like a, a sleeping uh, drug and then they raided him killed a, a bunch of the people who were in uh, the room including him but he wasn't dead when they raided the apartment and when they saw that he was still alive that's the shot that Lachlan um, is talking about they uh, shoot him again 
Um, I think even in the face, if I'm not wrong, it's just ho horrific. And uh, that shot is just when we don't get to see that. Of course, not seeing the violence because, um, yeah, it would be an odd choice to, sh to show that actually. But just resting on her face as she um, takes this, like, yeah, this brutal injustice. It, it is really powerful. And uh, yeah, it, it really comes through in her performance. I just realized that Martin Sheen was um, Hoover. Fuck, that really annoyed me. I was like, I know this guy's face somewhere. I can, I know this guy. I just can't think who he is. Oh, <laughs> uh, you couldn't figure it out. I mean, the, the the makeup was definitely an interesting choice because I think it was all like it it was it was distinguishable that there was a lot of makeup on him, but it, he really looked like Hoover to me. Um, at least like what was seen uh, from in, in uh, on like actual photos, he looked pretty mm. similar. <laughs> there it was just a lot of makeup. Let's just say. And I think he was just straight up the villain character that they could also use. I mean, accurately, because he was just a fucking dick. I mean, he created the FBI out of uh, the whole, like, opposition. That was kind of his goal, right? To, like, he never had a, a good intent behind it. It was just um, militarizing um, the U.S. even a bit more to go against um, uh, marginalized groups. That That's just what it is. So, mm. I mean, good thing he isn't, he isn't still in power and he did but uh otherwise i like that the the police as well as the black panthers get an ambiguity to themselves like they're not they're, they're rough characters they're not smooth you know they have ed mm. edges and i like that we see maybe some of the shortcomings of the black panther party when um they do get violent and kind of that contrast with dominic fishback's character who's kind of i guess idealistically kind of questioning that a bit and then but the police is mostly bad, but <laughs> don't yeah. get me wrong. <laughs> like, not at all. They're, they're not redeemable at all. But uh, it, it does feel like it, it doesn't try to... Uh, you can't call it sugarcoating because, like, one of the lead people gets shot in the head at the end. But, yeah. like, from the Black Panther side, from the smaller stuff, from the injustices, it feels like it, it's it's portraying it in an accurate uh, depiction. And I, I really appreciated that I... Although it is quite an, an Oscar Beatty movie, I'd say um, it it, it do, doesn't matter to me at all uh, because I think it, it's just an overall really good story. And dude, we have to talk about the cinematography because we talked okay, about like the shots yeah. that were standing out, right? Lachlan, what did you think about the cinematography? Um, obviously, Sean Bobbitt, he is the guy who basically does all of Steve McQueen's films. Yes. So when I when I heard that, I was like, sweet, I'm in for a visual ride. Before I even start. Before we actually talk about the whole cinematography, I just want to I just want to say a quick thing. Really Spike Lee esque opening. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, with all of the like foot real life footage, and then jumps into I guess now I know Martin Sheen as Hoover, uh, talking about how he wants to take down the Black Panther Party, and then obviously jumps into Bill's perspective about to pick up a car, and all of the lights were you know like it was, you know, it was just so pretty. Like the opening shot, I could see how you know, what, what kind of look we were going for. Do you, th did it look kind of like, like kind of look like it was shot on film? It definitely looked like it was shot on film. Yeah. I, I would, I would go for, uh, actually put my money. You reckon it is? Oh, All right. that okay. it actually Here is go. film. Yeah. Here we go. I'm going to go find it. Uh, technical specifications. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, runtime, two hours. Here we go. Here we go. Camera. Probably Ari, right. Alexa, LF. Nope. nope. It was shot in Ari Raw 4.5K. Oh, okay. Well, I think it just has that 60s look to it, like the muted colors. Yeah. And, yeah. Very. Yeah. Um, a little, a little bit of the, of the neon accentuation whenever there's like a downtown urban scene and really yellowish brown. I think the colors at nighttime really popped you and brought you in. Oh yeah. And then for sure. yeah, and then of course then it went to that muted color. So at first it was like, oh, this guy's slick. He's pretty cool. He's getting away and then boom, he's thrown into this, essentially this war. And that's the one thing I really liked about it is we didn't know that um, Jesse Plum's character was a, a, a veteran for, from uh, Korea. Mm -hmm. And the entire time they're talking about a war, you know, this war that's going to happen. Um, and that's, and that's kind of what it felt like, uh, like a the muted colors of a war film. Well, especially yeah. when they're in the in the midst of it. I mean, I do like the the parallel between Bobby's character, uh, Bill's character, and Roy's character because, in a sense, they're both um used by the other, like by the FBI, both of them, mm. and just get fucked over. I don't, I don't, I guess Roy doesn't get fucked over, but he at, at the beginning, um, 
he he says that he just wants uh like he's like oh i'm not racist <laughs> as that kind of opening speech to him nice um and it's shown as kind of a character that might be not as uh, like aligning with the racist beliefs from the fbi but mm. it's still like i guess um contributing to it uh just from from high up from from hoover and he he's he's by far not as interesting as bill as a character who's conflicted um and just tries to get by but they're both kind of i guess especially like his character is kind of the the weasel character and i think that's a really common hollywood trope like you get that in in the departed and uh in a lot of Scorsese films, I guess, to be honest, just someone in- infiltrating and um, posing as someone who, who they're not um, to get information. I think it's a really common um, thriller movie in Hollywood. And I think it's really done expertly, like really in a, in a good way yeah. Uh, here. Yeah. Also, something that I still got on my list that you just highlighted. <laughs> yeah, the, well, I guess this is a bit a, a bigger topic, but I guess political ideologies of Communist Party versus capitalist. I guess Jesus, is this something you want to get into? Okay, no, I don't know. you, you want to go into politics? I will. I, I will let you go ahead, man. Because well, <laughs> I, I don't want to get too much into politics, but I'm also Swiss, so I'm I'm fucking so neutral, you y'all. I don't yeah, give a yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I can I say yeah. I'm neutral, but then I say all the shit that you don't want to hear. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think um, what what Fred Hampton is doing with his programs is just kind of community looking out for people, and that's kind of inherently a bit of a of a communist thing i'd say right uh the the people in power looking out for the people providing them food usually in in communist regimes that kind of leads to them kind of starving so that doesn't really happen a lot but i i, I mean the ideologies the political ideologies of communism i mean are deeply enrooted in the black panther party that was a big part of it right that I don't know. I I don't have much to say about it, and I don't want to get into it because it, like it. I'm not a communist. I'm not at we're all. A film, a, we're a film. We're a podcast, bro. Let's. I don't want to get into it, but I think it's an interesting thing to to bring up because like the U.S. still to this day is like universal healthcare. They're fucking afraid of it. They think it's communism. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. a bit over the top, um, and and it definitely fucks over the the like small people. You know, not the not the rich one percent. Or zero point one percent. So, like ongoing issues is is what I'm trying to tell you. And uh, yeah, conflicts that are still in there, although the Black Panther Party might not be the same that it was in in the '60s. But anyways, uh, I guess another topic that was really interesting is like, who, who do you think is is to blame for the assassination? Like, if you would have to put, it, it's a like oversimplified way of looking at it, but. Considering what was the outcome for at least Bill O'Neill's character at the end, uh, yeah, who do you think is to blame for the assassination? I mean, um, man, that's that's fucking that's fucking. <laughs> it's a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, why, why the fucking... fuck did you bring that up? I don't know, um, man. It looked cool. Performances were good. Jesus. Really good cinematography. We can stop talking about the film, but it's just I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting to think about. All right, what else? Oh, okay. So. <laughs> Because, like, to me, um, Lakeith's character is, is kind of stuck, uh, in a sense. He, he doesn't have much of a choice. Yeah. And, and that makes him the classic weasel character of the film. And it's so interesting how far along he goes with it as well. Because at the end, we find out in kind of text card <laughs> ways that are sometimes attached to, like, to these these autobiographical bio, biopics. Uh, and, and usually they're really cheesy, but I thought here they were actually used for dramatic tension at the end uh where like a few sentences at the end almost make you cry at least for me it was that way it's pretty intense yeah. emotionally and um it states that he he got mo- uh, he got money from it uh for the, all the information that he gave to the fbi he received uh an estimated two hundred thousand um dollars for it which yeah, it a lot of, lot of fucking money yeah that's a lot of fucking money um to i guess sell out y- yourself and and other people's lives and uh yeah, and then there was this documentary that premiered, I think, in, in 1990 or 1992. And uh, yeah, I mean, he killed himself after that. He he committed suicide right after it premiered. When was it? I think I do have it here. Yeah, it was in 1989. And uh, we start off the movie with that shot of, of him giving that interview for Eyes on the Price 2. Yeah, it's pretty tragic with him killing himself because I, it, I don't think it's a, a betrayal that... Uh, completely rests on 
him just being a, a scumbag and like getting money from the feds and uh, just uh, fucking over Fred Hampton. I think it goes a bit mm. deeper than that, right? It's just kind of, um, yeah, systemic, <laughs> systemic racism kind of working against them from the system upward using people, uh, using leverage over people to put them against other people and ultimately keeping everyone down. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe this is a bit deep for this and we don't have to because we're not like we're not historians we're not, we're not political experts so when we talk too much about these things we we sound we do sound silly quite fast i just thought it was a really good movie uh that got me thinking once again and uh, i really enjoyed it yeah yeah it was a good movie bro you i, oh, I yeah. agree i'm just i'm just not a political guy so <laughs> true i mean i i respect that i respect i can in respect saying that, that i definitely do not agree with the FBI or what the police did in this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me just no, say that. That that is, of course, that yeah, that's obvious. However, what I will also say is, uh, I don't want to comment on his political status. Ah. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about something even more political. Let's talk about oh, the Oscars. No, <laughs> no you fucking Oscars. <laughs> Fuck your Oscars. Uh, yeah, what about it? I don't, I don't really care about it that much, but um, I'm not the Is Oscar expert. Yeah, yeah, that's true. it. There's a few people who do really care about it. I mean, it's fun to, um, I guess, uh, have predictions up and, I don't know, wonder what's going to win. But it's also an interesting dialogue to have about the best stuff that has been coming out in, in the last year. And I do think this has a really strong case for screenplay and um, especially in the lead for Kalusia, and I think he's also going to win. I really hope it, it gets cinematography. I don't know about you, man, but I, I think it's one of the best films um, at Welsh. Oh, yeah, films. definitely. Um, I mean, best picture. Yeah, I did as well. Of sure, course, I could yeah. see an, I, I'll see a nomination for it. Best actor. Um, yeah, I could definitely see currently Chadwick Boseman, Riz Ahmed. Uh, what's his name in Minari? Uh, Stephen Ewan. Yeah. Um. Uh. Well, who else would be nominated? In oh, lead? you know what's probably gonna be nominated? Um. Fucking Mank will be nominated. Ah, oh, yes, Oldman. Yeah, Oldman yeah. will be nominated. Um. Those are the he top could possibly. Five, I, I mean, he might. He might knock Oldman out. Uh. Depending Maybe. on who, who who else would be in that, because you know you've got like um like that Tom Hanks movie News to the World that came out. Uh. And again, a very similar film. We spoke about it earlier. Uh. Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. Siri, <laughs> stop talking. Siri. I got, an, I got an Apple Watch and Siri oh, keeps talking to me. That is funny. I think who we are forgetting is uh, Anthony Hopkins. I think uh, for The Father, I think you haven't seen that one, right? I haven't seen it yet, no. He is great in it. I think he he's down for an Oscar nomination. And I'd probably say that? that we got Chadwick Boseman most likely to win. And uh, that's in the lead. Uh, I don't think um, Kaluja will be in the lead performance. He, he will be in supporting. And there he would probably be up against Chadwick Boseman again if they nominate him for the Five Bloods as well, which is likely. And I think uh, other than that, Sasha Baron Cohen from Trial 7 and Leslie Odeem Jr. Maybe even Paul Racy from The Sound of Metal. And uh, Really? Maybe. I can see it. I can see yeah, it happening. Yeah. Maybe even Jared Leto. I don't know. It could be. Sick. <laughs> you never know. Maybe even Tom Holland in Sherry. Yeah. We don't know about it. We... we uh, mm, mm. My lips, my lips are sealed. <laughs> Shit, that might have already been too much. But yeah, uh, overall, what did you land on for a rating for Judas and the Black Messiah? Uh, eight out of ten. Yeah, uh, same for me. I thought just a really solid film. And um, another one to add to the great list of, I guess, just uh, for Netflix. Well-made films. Yeah, made films. A great, great film that was made. Well-made film. And it came out and it was released and people watched it. Yeah, I think that wraps it up for today. Uh, next week, we'll be taking a look at Chloe Zhao's Nomadland, another film that is hot in the Oscar race. And after that, I think we're doing a few more of the Oscar films for the next few weeks. And then, of course, we're looking forward ah, to the long-awaited Justice League. I cannot wait. I cannot Yo! wait. But yeah, until then, you can check out our Patreon. We do have bonus shows over there every month. Um, the drunk cast, you get to vote for upcoming episodes as well as a wide range of bonus content, as well as that probably four hour commentary that will be on there for Justice League. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter that's set underscore quiet on Instagram, quiet on set podcast, and on Letterboxd, quiet on set. 
can find Lachlan and my socials linked below in the show notes. And uh, Lachlan, do you have anything else to add? Nope. Well, then I... <laughs> well, I guess then that's it. And we'll see you next week. I am a revolutionary. Oh, You're man. gonna totally edit that out, aren't you? I'm, You're I'm, totally I'm, gonna edit that out. I, fe- I felt like it, but I didn't commit fully halfway. So I'm just like, yes, yeah, I am. Gonna edit it, it out. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I'm a pussy. I'm a pussy. I uh, would probably yeah, yeah. before I would leave that in. I would sing like a full ass Hamilton song before I would leave that in. <laughs> it was kind of cringe. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Should I should I do my 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 um. Like goodbye. So you have like something you can put over. Oh, you yeah, you can. I I could just cut you off and don't leave a goodbye in there. Like I don't even care. Okay, goodbye. There you go. That's it. That's my goodbye. Wow, that sounded really pissed off, Lachlan. Okay, hang on. Let me try one. Let me try another one. Can you be a really kawaii goodbye? (laughs) No, not without (laughs) being extremely racist. But so no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, I I guess that's. Are you still doing something? Oh, um... No, you don't have to. It's fine. <laughs> bye. Wow, that, I like that one. That one was That was a good strong. one, right? Yeah, like, yeah bye. See you next time. Sayonara.